0: This episode is part of the pool's Local Officials Stronger Together podcast series. It's one way we serve local officials through integrity, public service, fiscal responsibility, and operational excellence. As always, please direct specific questions about coverage to your member services manager.
1: Welcome to STP Episode 10. I'm your host, Scott Houston. In this episode, we'll learn the basics of the Texas workers' compensation system and the pool's philosophy in administering it. As with each episode, I'll give you some basic information, visit with pool staff about these issues, and then give you several action items to ensure that you fully understand our partnership. I hope you've had a chance to listen to our prior episodes. Check out the STP podcast link on the front page of the pool's website at www.tmlirp.org to find out more about those. Workers' compensation has been called a grand bargain between employers and workers that developed at the beginning of the 20th century. The grand bargain came about in response to the failings of using lawsuits as a method of compensating workers for on-the-job injuries and deaths. With so many worker injuries, both minor and major, forcing an employee to actually sue their employer and prove that the employer was at fault just didn't make much sense anymore. Under the grand bargain, workers received guaranteed no-fault benefits for injuries and deaths. At the same time, they forfeited their rights to sue their employers. Now, employers receive protection from lawsuits, but they, through insurance policies or, in our case, the pool, have to provide benefits regardless of fault. In 1917, following a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that states could legally require employers to provide compensation to injured workers, Texas adopted the precursor to what we know today as workers' compensation. Texas is the only state that allows employers to choose whether or not to provide workers' compensation, but, and this is very important, public employers like pool members and their construction contractors are mandated to provide it. Major reforms took place in the 1980s and, most important to us, in 2005, and those led us to a system we have today that's administered by the Workers' Compensation Division of the Texas Department of Insurance. The 2005 changes allowed the pool, in cooperation with other pools like TASB and TAC, to create a network of doctors to serve our members. That network is called the Texas Political Subdivision Workers' Compensation Alliance, or just the Alliance, and it has been a game changer, and we'll talk about it more later. I think the key takeaway about workers' comp is that it is highly regulated by the state's division of workers' comp carrying out the directives of the legislature. Also, from our perspective, 1973 is a key date. That year, due to cities having difficulty finding and affording workers' comp insurance on the private market, the legislature allowed for the creation of a risk pool for that purpose, and that's when the TML risk pool was originally born. Most cities and many other local governments are now covered by the pool, with a handful buying it from private companies and some of the largest cities self-insuring themselves. I'm now joined by Mike Bratcher, our Workers' Compensation Claims Manager, who's been with the pool for over 30 years. Also with us is Phil English. Phil is the pool's Deputy Claims Manager, and he's also the Executive Director of the Alliance. Now, Mike, I mentioned that a key takeaway is how complex, and some might say tedious, this process is.
0: Well, it's a very complicated system to people that are not dealing with it day to day. They don't understand the intricacies of going and claiming all the requirements.
1: Let's say I'm an employee and I have a broken finger. Phil, talk briefly about the process itself and how that works.
2: I think something that's important for our members to embrace is the employer is probably the most important part of the workers' compensation claim claim process. Of course, the pool has a, has lots of responsibilities, but we have to receive notice of an injury and employers have to... Be responsible to have a process in place on how that happens. So your example of a broken finger gets reported to the supervisor. They need is, does it require emergency treatment or can he just get an, an appointment with a provider? But they would need to investigate that loss, uh, that risk, loss prevention, those types of things that a member member should own. And they should, uh, you know, determine whether or not he needs to miss time from work or does. That's kind of based on the medical that would come in. But the employer would have to file a first report of injury with the pool. And then there's other required forms that they would be responsible for. When the person returns to work, the wage statement so that we could pay the uh, appropriate um, temporary income benefits, the appropriate benefits, and the employer would need to stay involved with the claim until the person's returned to work or released to return to work. We're training members every day across the state on what they need to do.
1: And that's why being partners in the process is so important. The vast majority of political subdivisions are very small, and they don't have a person dedicated to this. So I've broken my finger, I go to my supervisor and I tell her, and then what happens? Specifically, tell us about how the alliance came about and how it works.
2: Before even filing the claim, we would encourage our members to know where to go for medical care. If it's an emergency, it's in the statute that 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 takes precedent. An emergency would not require a network or going to the network. It would just go seek uh, emergency medical care. Most of them don't require emergency medical care, so they need to know where to send them or where to go. So the, the act of the legislature allowed for direct contracting with medical providers for the political subdivision. So that is what created the network that uh, that the pool uses, which is the Political Subdivision Workers' Compensation Alliance. We refer to them as the Alliance. And so the Alliance is uh, created and directly contracts with medical providers throughout the state. So in your example of this injury to your finger, the member would know which doctors are in the alliance within that area, and would allow the injured worker to have a choice.
1: Phil, tell me more about the alliance.
2: The reason it was even necessary to have networks is the good doctors in the system didn't want to mess with workers' compensation anymore. All the requirements and rules and, and, and deadlines and paperwork, they didn't think that would be beneficial for their business. So we were having a difficult time having good doctors, a lot of chiropractors, a lot of doctors that just wanted to treat the workers' comp and bill over-utilization, those types of things. So in order to build a network and try to convince doctors to get back into workers' compensation, it was, these are your local heroes, basically. We're talking police and fire, school teachers, county sheriffs, judges. These are the people that you'll be treating. And lots and lots of providers were interested in that. Uh, So it got away from basically fee schedule. We could direct contract the rates uh, so we could uh, pay a little bit more for those doctors to participate so that they would be interested in handling those claims local in uh, in their communities.
1: That's awesome. How many local government employees are covered by the pool?
2: That is a good question. Uh, The pool has a little bit over 200,000. So probably close to 210 to 215,000 lives are covered.
1: And of those 200,000, how do the claims bear out each year?
2: We do handle, you know, over 10,000 claims a year.
1: And how many of those are serious or fatal claims?
2: Annually, we would probably average six maybe six, seven, or eight uh, fatalities per year, a couple of catastrophic claims per year. We would usually say that of the 10,000 claims on average, about 80% of them would be medical-only claims that didn't lose any more time from work than seven days. They'd be handled by a medical-only adjuster, and the other 20% would be handled by the lost time adjusters.
1: I said earlier how regulated the process is. When does the Division of Workers' Compensation typically get involved with a claim?
0: The vast majority of claims, 90, over 95% of them involved, no dispute at all. Yeah. We, we report everything to them electronically. Every payment that's made, every medical bill that's processed, all the indemnity, uh, whether it's temporary income, if it's a permanent income, that's all reported directly to the state and we're required to by, by law electronically. It's very uh, detailed and, and, and processed work that it's requires a lot of uh, IT technology staff and, and knowledge. So it, it's, it's a big process.
2: Every area of the statute and the rules also includes the possibility of a fine or a violation if one is committed. The division has a, a department that oversees that part of the regulation. So, you know, there are a lot of timeframes and a lot of things that have to go right on a claim. And if there are complaints by any of the system participants, the Division of Workers Comp oversees that and, and pursues that and, and looks to the pool to provide the documentation. And the pool has been a high performer for, you know, 12 years or so um, in, in doing that.
1: Okay, we've talked about my hypothetical broken finger. And you've said in most cases, the injuries are minor like that. But what about catastrophic injuries? Say, for example, I get a traumatic brain injury while on the job. What's the pool's philosophy for dealing with those? What makes the pool different from an insurance company in that regard? where it involves a paralysis, a major traumatic brain injury that basically results in
0: imbecility or then they can't take care of their daily function, basically. Those benefits, basically all the medical related to that care is paid for, with no out-of-pocket or co-pays from the injured worker. It's all 100% taken care of. And then they get a lifetime income benefit check, basically, that equals at least 70% of their average weekly the wage, and they get a 3% statutory increase for the rest of their life. It's all tax-free, and we use to get case managers involved that will help them maneuver through the system when it actually involves getting the type of medical treatment, the type of specialist.
1: And the pool assigns a nurse to help the patient and his or her family through the process?
0: The nurse case manager something that we actually just have a relationship with that is in that area that goes with them to the doctor's appointments. It goes with them to actually help them understand what's going on. It helps them set up durable medical supplies, whether it's a wheelchair or whether it's making modifications to their house too, so that they can get in their bathroom. We've got claims that are 20 and 30 years old. People that have been paralyzed provide them the benefits that actually help them live their life. Those are very difficult cases.
1: Phil, anything to add?
2: Yeah, the pool the always takes into account what the statute allows, uh, what's right, what would be the right thing to provide. We've got uh, employees that are injured in all counties of the state everywhere. And, you know, what fits for one might not fit for the other. So, you know, we've got a uh, great leadership within the pool that helps us make those decisions. Uh, what's great about the pool is, you know, we're, we're all together in making decisions. It doesn't have to leave the state. It doesn't have to leave the building to make the right decisions where it fits for some of these catastrophic claims.
1: Thanks, guys. I'm super proud to be part of this team. Okay, let's talk about your action items for this episode. First, make sure your employees and their supervisors know what to do should someone get injured. First, you need to always take care of their immediate medical needs, and then you can reach out to the pool for help filing a claim if you need it. Action item number two, recognize that the employee's health and safety is a priority. So if you're involved in an emergency, The employee can go to any facility for care. If it's not an emergency, you can use the Alliance to pick the doctor that you need. And finally, a big component of this is you must submit the claim within eight days or you could be subject to problems down the road. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and please check out our other podcasts with information that's useful to you and your citizens. To review
2: written materials associated with the presentation or to ask Scott a question, please visit www.tmlirp.org and click on the Stronger Together podcast link. Please remember that the information in this episode is provided for informational purposes only and doesn't constitute legal advice.
0: We recommend that you review the podcast and the accompanying written materials with your attorney prior to taking action.